3: and leaves families frustrated by a lack of communication. There's, you know, no reason that we shouldn't expect a lot of students and a lot of staff to end up infected. Back to school uncertainty, why teachers say boosters are crucial and the call to delay in-person classes.
4: The number one thing for a person is a room in heat. If you don't have a room in heat, why are you paying rent?
3: And left in the cold in their own home. The unbearable conditions in a downtown SRO.
4: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
3: Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We begin with the COVID-19 situation in B.C. We have 1,785 new cases confirmed in the last day. And that brings our rolling seven-day average to its highest point ever at 2,005 new cases per day. Those numbers don't even give us the full picture since some people simply aren't testing or test sites are shut down due to the extreme cold. Our Kamal Karamali is at one of those centers where people are being turned away. How's the cold weather impacting these clinics, Kamal?
5: Sophie health authorities told us that staff here their hands got so cold that they couldn't perform their duties no testing no immunizations so they had to close early especially the Saint Vincent location here on West 33rd Avenue closed about an hour or two ago because staff were so cold the one at YVR has also closed early because of the cold weather and Fraser Health Authority just tweeted uh, a couple of hours ago that it's closed four locations, uh, the one in Surrey, Burnaby, Langley and Coquitlam. A similar story yesterday. It was extremely cold, but here at this COVID-19 testing and immunization site in Langley, people were boiling mad. Well, I'm just about ready to lose it. The center run by Fraser Health had to shut down hours early Monday due to the extreme cold.
3: I'm obviously extremely frustrated if my job is dependent on me getting this test, you know?
5: People only finding out their appointments were canceled when they arrived to find this sign. They never emailed me, they never texted me, nothing telling me that it was closed. Fraser Health put out this tweet shortly after 1 p.m. Monday, informing the public of the closure of three testing and immunization sites, this one in Langley, here in Coquitlam, and another one at the Burnaby BCIT campus, all of them closing at 3 p.m., only allowing a two-hour window for people who had later appointments to race to try and grab an earlier slot.
2: Well, how did we know you were closing, and how would we get in early then? if we didn't know. But I wouldn't think to go on Twitter to find out you closed a facility.
5: Bonnie Angelini had a 4.30 appointment for her daughter that got canceled.
2: A simple notification, if you can confirm my daughter's appointment online, why can't you confirm that you've been closed? And here's what we're going to do for you.
5: Now the struggle to rebook an appointment through a system that's already fraught with disruptions and backlogs. This mother tried Fraser Health's phone number to book another slot.
6: And got a, sorry, the office is closed due to a stat. And so I went online again and the earliest we could get in was tomorrow afternoon in Abbotsford. So I have her booked for that, but it's... (laughs) really frustrating.
7: So I think that very clear communication on what the goals of public health interventions are going to be over the holiday period, what we can expect and what to do if we have questions would be very useful.
5: Now with Vancouver Coastal Health also announcing temporary closures of its airport site in Richmond and its St. Vincent Center on West 33rd Avenue due to the weather, many people who had waited days for an appointment are now feeling left out in the cold. Now, Vancouver Coastal Health did not get back to us in time for our deadline, but Fraser Health Authority uh, did say that it did tweet the message of the closures out there, but does not have the capacity to reach out to each individual to let them know that they have had to close early, uh, and they apologized in their statement, but uh, would not commit to uh, doing better or reaching out to individuals next time around. So, Sophie, still a lot of creases to iron out in this uh, Mm -hmm. ongoing situation.
3: Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, let's hope it just heats up in the uh, days to come quickly. Thanks for that, Kamal. Well, with the rapid spread driven by the Omicron variant, teachers are worried that next week's return to classes could become a super spreader event. As Richard Zussman reports, the BCTF is calling for a delay in in in-person learning and booster shots for educational staff.
8: They're gathering on sledding hills at malls and homes. By next week, more than half a million K-12 students in B.C. will be back together here at schools.
3: Omicron is running rampant through a lot of communities. And so it makes sense that that's going to happen in schools
2: as well.
8: With Omicron leading to record-breaking COVID-19 cases, the B.C. Teachers Federation is calling on the return to in-person learning to be delayed to at least January 10th.
3: We do think we need to take the first little bit to do an assessment of where we're at, to take a look at how many uh, teachers are impacted
8: the BCTF also calling on the province to prioritize teachers for booster shots. Right now, the only people eligible to get a booster six months after a second shot are those 63 and older, although 61 plus can now book, Indigenous people 18 years of age and older, people receiving care and those working in healthcare, as well as those who have received two AstraZeneca shots.
3: The vast majority of, of both EAs and teachers um, did you only have the two shots. and so. There, uh, there should be a prioritization for boosters.
8: Even though teachers were prioritized for shot one, they could be waiting eight months between second and third doses. Highly problematic considering the effectiveness of two vaccines now waning against Omicron.
6: Just having two doses of the mRNA vaccines um, decreases the, the, their protection against transmissibility to, I think it was 14.9%.
8: The union's biggest worry is a lack of boosters will mean more teachers and school staff get sick and miss work. That could mean that classrooms are closed and potentially entire schools.
3: The concern is we're going to have people with symptoms who don't have their booster shots who are
2: going to have to stay home because they have symptoms.
8: Doctors are also urging parents to do their part vaccinate eligible kids and upgrade masks.
6: At the very least make sure they're not wearing the cloth masks that they had last year.
8: The province's COVID-19 school committee has been meeting over the holidays and set to meet again Wednesday with the goal to finalize the safety measures for a return to school. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
3: And as more British Columbians stay home and self-isolate. The increase in sick days is taking a toll on an already labor-starved hospitality industry. At the same uh, time, uh, COVID staffing shortages coupled with winter weather are wreaking havoc on holiday travel. Grace Key reports.
9: With COVID cases on the rise and testing facilities reaching capacity, British Columbians have been asked to assume you have COVID if you have symptoms and to take measures to avoid passing it on. Vancouver Coastal Health tweeted out, as a temporary measure to preserve testing capacity for those at higher risk from COVID-19, people do not need to get a test if they are fully vaccinated, have mild symptoms, and are able to self-isolate until symptoms improve. And that means more and more people are calling in sick. That's a tough hit on the hospitality industry that's already in the midst of a severe labor shortage. And
10: now anybody exhibiting even the mild cold-like symptoms is not coming to work and staying home. They're, they're doing the right thing for their health. But the consequence of that is we don't have enough staff for some restaurants. So we have had to reduce hours, uh, close some sections of a restaurant. So you may look in at the pub and say, isn't that section empty? And we, we literally don't have the staff to run it. Uh, or in some cases, we've not even been able to open our doors so um, we're just asking folks to be kind to those who did
5: show up to work.
9: Thousands of travelers are also dealing with canceled flights due to weather and staffing shortages. On Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, there were more than 3,800 flights canceled around the world, according to an online flight tracking site. I got
2: to the airport, got on the plane, everything was fine, and then one of the pilots didn't show off. So we had to
9: deflate. In an effort to minimize disruptions to businesses and daily lives, the CDC shortened the isolation period from 10 days to five days for asymptomatic Americans who test positive. The CDC director is saying, We want to make sure there is a mechanism by which we can safely continue to keep society functioning while following the science. This could be just the beginning of businesses struggling with staffing shortages as Omicron cases continue to rise. Grace Key, Global News. Well, the cold temperatures affected some ferry sailings today.
3: BC Ferries has cancelled round-trip sailings between Tawasson and Duke Point. BC Ferries says departures leaving Tawasson this morning on the Queen of New Westminster were cancelled because of unsafe conditions due to sub-zero temperatures causing pipes to freeze and washrooms to be closed. Several afternoon sailings on that route were also cancelled, but they resumed earlier this evening. Two people have been seriously injured in an avalanche near a West Kootenay Ski Resort. More than 25 members of Nelson Search and Rescue and Whitewater Ski Patrol responded to an SOS signal. Triggered at around 3.30 Monday afternoon along Evening Ridge, just outside the Whitewater Ski Resort. Four people and two dogs were involved, although no one was fully buried. Two people were transported to trail hospital by 11 p.m. Due to darkness, a helicopter couldn't be used, so they had to be taken out by toboggans in steep, hazardous terrain in minus 20 degree temperatures. Slick road conditions caused a semi-truck to jackknife today, leading to all sorts of problems on Highway 17. Take a look. This was the scene near the Portman Bridge at around 11.30 after a semi hit a patch of ice and lost control. The truck slammed into the concrete barriers and sent it into the westbound lanes. Traffic was stalled for a couple of hours as crews worked to clear the scene and do repairs. The truck was hauling a shipping container. No injuries were reported. And we are not snapping out of this cold snap just yet. Let's bring in senior meteorologist Christy Gordon. Uh, Christy, an, our, our Arctic outflow warning remains in effect for Metro Vancouver. So how cold are we expecting it to get tonight? And are we going to see a return of snow
2: Yes, so we do have the possibility of snow, and I'll have more on that when I come back. About 5 to 10 centimeters is possible across the South Coast. But in the meantime, Sophie, it's the cold for tonight we're concerned about. As you mentioned, still warnings in place. Here's a look at the forecasted overnight lows for the region. So we're talking about minus 9 to minus 10 across Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. Interior regions, we're talking about minus 30. But keep in mind, it's not just the regular temperature. It is the wind. That we're mostly concerned about. So for the south coast, we're talking about minus 20 wind chill. Uh, north coast minus 30. Interior, central interior minus 40. And for the southern interior regions, including areas like Merritt, minus 35. We are expecting conditions to slowly improve throughout the week, but it is going to be a slow improvement. Sophie, it's really not until the weekend that we're going to see a more significant change in this ta- in this type of conditions. All right, we'll talk to you in a bit for the full forecast.
3: Thanks, Christy. Bone-chilling conditions at a downtown SRO where residents say their power has been out for days. People who live at the Regals say it's been miserable since the heat went off on Christmas Day of all days. What the city is doing about the situation and why the landlords of this building are very familiar names. That's next on the News Hour. It just seemed like every morning somewhere else was on fire. Hard to imagine with the cold we're now having, but a lot of B.C. was burning just a few months ago. Coming up later, a look back at B.C.'s summer of wildfires. Also tonight, scenic skate. Lower mainlanders take advantage of frozen ponds across the region by lacing up. We'll have that later. Right now, though, city inspectors return to a downtown building where the residents say the heat hasn't worked since Christmas. Management at the Regal on Granville Street tell the city repairs are complete, a claim residents say simply isn't true. In fact, as Ramina Dea reports, residents say toaster ovens do a better job of heating their rooms than the building's owners. <laughs> It's an hour-by-hour
1: struggle trying to stay warm in freezing temperatures when you're homeless.
4: I pay $700 a month. For a second, 100. 100. 100.
1: Stephen Walsh has a home at the Regal SRO on Street, but he says he can't stay here
4: because there's no heat. The number one thing for a person is a room in heat. If you don't have a room and heat, why are you paying rent?
1: Four days. Still no heat for roughly half the tenants. As of 1 p.m. Tuesday, rent automatically deducted from their checks every month.
0: My room warms up better by me turning on my little toaster oven and opening it and leaving it open for 10 minutes than the radiator
2: does on all day.
1: The Regal, owned by Parkash Sohota, according to a property search. The city of Vancouver recently expropriated two other hotels owned by the Sohota family because of ongoing complaints of inhumane
6: living conditions. I'm hopeful that we're not seeing another situation here. Um, But again, that's the challenge and we we need to put the people first. Um, This is just not okay. The lawyer
1: who has represented the Sohota family on vacation until January 4th Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart did not respond to our request for an interview. We ran into the city's chief building official at the Regal. He told us the city doesn't have a lot of authority in this case because the owner is working diligently to keep the system working. The city is the only person that has the power to do something, so you need to do something.
10: The authorities that the city has are dictated by the bylaws that, that are in place. right? We, yeah, the bylaws, we're doing everything we can. Change
1: the bylaws then. This just keeps going on over and over and over again.
10: It's always on the table. I mean, we're, yeah, um, that's certainly a possibility.
1: But that's not going to happen today. That's a decision for City Council. Do we have to stand here with a camera when a body bag comes out? Is that what it takes? And I think the city needs to have a serious discussion amongst the people there that make decisions on if that's
3: their high water mark, because this is clearly their low water mark. Romina Dea, Global News. Well, the question of how to keep everyone safe from the elements is one that has plagued many BC cities for years. Now a Victoria documentary filmmaker is building on a micro-housing solution that has seen success south of the border. The funding is there, but as Catherine Urquhart reports, she needs property owners to get on board
4: all i wanted for christmas is to just to get inside
3: it has been
6: a difficult and very cold christmas for alex bork for the past nine months he has been homeless living on the streets of downtown victoria with his dog lilu i
4: was living with someone and they they took my rent money and everything i owned at the time and uh And took off.
6: Now documentary filmmaker Krista Loughton is trying to help Bork and other homeless people by building them tiny shelters.
3: We want to build a Conestoga hut as a prototype to show that it is an effective form of sheltering people who are outside this winter.
6: About 200 Conestoga huts house the homeless in Eugene, Oregon. The 60 square feet dwellings have a door that locks, and police say they've led to a drop in crime and recidivism. We just need to find a dog-friendly hotel. Krista Lauten and others have raised more than $5,000 to build a Conestoga hut prototype, with a goal to constructing more of them. Each will cost $2,500 to $4,000, but they still need somewhere to put them.
3: We're calling on all churches in the Greater Victoria area to put one hut on their parking lot. And for right now, we just need one church to do that so we can get our prototype done.
6: The idea is welcome news to Alex Bork. The unemployed iron worker says finding shelter would help him return to work and give him a new beginning.
4: It's a great idea. I mean, if it gets me indoors, you know, it and gets other people indoors. You know, that's, all, it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, That's that's all I want.
3: Catherine Urquhart,
6: Global News.
3: Coming up, a record day for hydro usage in B.C. Plus, why Alberta had to call an energy emergency. And later, restrictions returned to long-term care in Ontario. The latest measures to fight Omicron. PC Hydro set records for electricity demand during the extreme heat in the summer and now the same thing is happening during the extreme cold this winter. Hydro says between five and six last night, provincial demand for electricity hit an all-time high of 10,902 megawatts. That breaks a previous mark set in 2020. Most of the increase is due to additional home heating required during the cold snap. Hydro says it has enough power options to meet demand, but it is encouraging people to practice conservation and shift activities like laundry or running the dishwasher to earlier in the day or later in the evening.
6: We definitely have enough supply options to meet the demand that we're seeing. So um, we prepare for all sorts of scenarios throughout the year. And um, you know our system operators work 24-7 to ensure um, our customers have the power when they need it, even on the coldest, darkest day of the year.
3: Other energy-saving tips include turning the heat down when you're not home or everyone is sleeping and keeping your drapes or blinds closed to keep the heat in. While well, the cold snap sweeping Western Canada is putting Alberta's power grid to the test, extreme cold prompted an energy emergency alert for several hours last night as Albertans were asked to do anything to conserve electricity. Global's Dan Grummett reports.
10: Alberta's power infrastructure is built to withstand all winter can throw at us, but even preparedness has its limits. On Monday night, the province neared that limit, prompting an energy emergency alert.
11: We did have a number of generators
10: that weren't able to produce their maximum capacity. So we were running short on power. The alert was a level two, meaning energy reserves were needed to meet near-record winter demand. And because the extreme cold spanned many regions, Alberta was unable to draw on resources from neighboring B.C. Renewables were also producing less. Because it was so cold, uh, we didn't have very much wind blowing in the province.
11: So you put all of that together, and that's what usually brings about these challenges.
10: In turn, Albertans were asked to do anything to conserve electricity until the grid returned to normal nearly six hours later. Energy emergency alerts are more common in the summer during heat waves. During cold snaps, with many at home for the holidays, light and heat usage are necessities soon to be reflected on monthly utility bills. The projected price of electricity for January has soared to nearly twice the average fixed rate. People shouldn't panic. Energy consultant Dwayne Reed Carlson says Albertans shouldn't see Monday's alert as anything more than a blip. He says barring a catastrophic power failure, Alberta has more than enough capacity to meet winter demand with more coming online in future years. So all that new generation is going to come forward over the next 12 to 24 months and we're going to see prices generally kind of come off uh, to lower more normal levels. Monday's Level 2 alert was the first in Alberta in winter since January 2020. ISO says a Level 3 alert would involve rotating outages, something not seen in Alberta during the winter months this century. Dan Grummet, Global News.
3: Coming up, recommendation reaction. I've had
2: patients who have had rapid antigen tests positive even
3: beyond the 10-day period. U.S. doctors speaking out about the CDC's decision to shorten the guidance around isolation and quarantine, plus kids and COVID.
4: We need to care about our children enough to vaccinate them.
3: New data from New York City that suggests the number of children being hospitalized there is on the rise. Ontario is imposing tough restrictions on long-term care visits as the province confronts the highest COVID-19 caseload in its history. Ontario already requires everyone entering a long-term care home to show proof of vaccination. But as of Thursday, the province will limit all visits to seniors in facilities and cancel social outings from care homes. Seniors will only be allowed to leave for essential reasons such as medical appointments. The measure is coming despite a high vaccination level in care homes. 84 percent of residents have already received a booster dose.
12: Effective December 30th, which is Thursday at 12.01 a.m., all general visits to long-term care homes will be paused, unless you're visiting a resident in a palliative situation. As well, social visits from homes will be paused. All residents, regardless of vaccination status, can continue to leave the home for essential reasons like medical appointments.
3: Doctors across the U.S. are reacting to the CDC's new recommendations around time periods for isolation and quarantine. This as data on children and COVID-19 hospitali- hospitalizations emerges.
11: With new daily COVID cases in the U.S. reaching all-time highs, staff at many hospitals across the country are at a breaking point. People are tired. It's been a really tough two years. The CDC, seeing worker shortages develop in many key business sectors, has issued new recommendations for people who test positive, letting a patient leave isolation in five days instead of 10 if the person doesn't have any symptoms, requiring them to wear a mask everywhere for five more days.
4: You want to make sure that particularly among essential workers that you get people out there much sooner. But some
11: fear the sick will be back out in public too quickly and spread COVID to others.
2: I've had patients who have had rapid antigen tests positive even beyond the 10 day period.
6: So it begs the question, how will we know what this infectious period really is in order to be safe to return people to work?
11: The Omicron variant surge has renewed concerns about how COVID affects young people. New York City has seen hospitalizations of children rise nearly 400 percent this month. We need to care about our children enough to vaccinate them, care about them enough to mask them. Health officials say the vast majority of people being treated in the nation's intensive care units are the unvaccinated. In Arkansas, doctors are having a hard time convincing some to get immunized because of politics. People
2: view getting vaccinated as being on one side or the other when it's really a public health issue.
11: A public health issue with no end in sight. Chris Paloma.
3: The U.K. once again broke its record for the number of new daily cases of COVID-19. And restrictions have been tightened in most parts of the country this week to try to reduce the spread of the Omicron variant. Nightclubs in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland have closed and other hospitality venues face new restrictions in those nations. But British Prime Minister Boris Yel- uh, Boris... Johnson says there will be no new rules in England before New Year's. He's betting on the protection of booster shots, but some of those on the front lines of health care are worried that allowing a free-for-all on December 31st is a big risk.
0: But the view is very clear, it's still too early to tell about whether we are gonna see larger numbers of older people coming in needing that kind of care as Omicron reaches the older population. And in particular, as all of this intergenerational mixing that we've been doing over the last few days um, works through.
3: It's estimated 1.7 million people in the UK had COVID-19 last week. That's one in 40 people. The British government thinks about 90% of new cases are the Omicron variant. In Health Matters tonight, a new study finds people who are immunocompromised have a greater risk of developing a breakthrough COVID-19 infection. The report, published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, looked at more than 600,000 people who received at least one dose of vaccine. It discovered those with immune dysfunction, like those with HIV, rheumatoid arthritis and MS, had a much higher chance of becoming ill with a breakthrough case. However, the study also found full vaccination was associated with a reduced risk of a breakthrough infection, regardless of the immune status of the patient. Up next, learning to farm and live a better life. I have a
12: drive and a dedication I didn't have two years ago.
3: The Langley facility giving people in recovery a fresh start and new hope. And Canada's newest tennis star just picked up another honour.
4: You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
3: A Langley farm is providing hope for people struggling with alcohol and drug addiction. They're working as farmers, helping to raise bison and water buffalo and find a new lease on life in the process. Here's Jay Durant.
12: All right, come on, girls. Let's go. For more than a year and a half, Travis Pita has been learning what it takes to look after over 250 bison and water buffalo. Come on, come on. Everything from herding to milking to helping the vet in the successful birth of a calf.
11: I was nervous. Yeah, yeah. i never done it before.
12: Just, <laughs> it's just you know, no idea. This Langley farm is part of the John Vulcan Academy that helps its students overcome addiction. Peter struggled with drugs and alcohol before joining the program. It's night and day. Uh, I've become assertive. I've, I've gained so much self-esteem. I have a drive and a dedication I didn't have two years ago. The farm is a six-day week, year-round operation and there are big plans for expansion. We're hoping that uh, we'll be able to have a restaurant on the farm as well. I'd like to see a small diner and uh, and then we'll have a big farm store. So there's a, a lot of construction to go. There have been three graduates from the farming program so far with more nearing completion of the two-year residency, ready for their chance to start over.
0: I was deemed
7: incapable to work. I was basically homeless. Um, yeah, I was at probably the lowest point in my life. I have my family back, my mom's back in
12: my life. Um, just a, a complete transformation to where, where I was. Equipped with new skills for life and employment, some very specialized, like herding. They don't want to be where you are. So you want to move it, you want to make them move to where you're not. Seems simple enough, but a good reminder that in life, some objectives require a little patience and persistence. Jay Durant, Global News.
3: Great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about. Email your ideas to jay at thisisbc.com. At globalnews.ca. Well, many people are taking advantage of this cold snap and partaking in a good old Canadian pastime. (laughs) Vanier Park in Kitsilano, one of the coolest places to be right now, where the pond froze up quite nicely for a quick game of shinny. Makeshift hockey rinks were a common sight around Metro Vancouver. In Surrey at Serpentine Fen, people were lacing up their skates there as well. They tell us the rinks are a rare silver silver lining during this stretch of frigid temperatures.
6: It was fabulous. Hey, we just skated all the way out back here and through the flats and sun shining and
2: it's a perfect day.
11: Yeah, you, you just you mind your own business and people people are respectful.
2: There's a lot of little mini rinks. People even like brought hot chocolate to share. Total community.
12: Five years ago, I think it was uh, cold enough and we did it back then and the boys said, why can't we do it again? So we uh, we came down here and it's it's been great. It's an awesome experience for these guys because they don't get to skate outside very often.
3: Well, there was no Zamboni and the ice wasn't quite smooth. The folks here tell us if the weather permits, they'll be back. <laughs> Well, sometimes it's just too cold for our best friends. This is Constable Kevin Goodmurphy of West Vancouver Police giving his dog Abby a lift earlier this week. The pair was about 10 minutes into a chilly walk when Abby needed to be carried because the ground was too frozen for her little paws. But that's a very good point it is very cold for our four-legged friends out there let's bring in our christy gordon uh, Mm -hmm. for a closer look at the weather uh staying cold and the return of snow christy
2: That's exactly right. So I'm going to break down the snow forecast for you. It's not until tomorrow night. In the meantime, what we're dealing with is the cold. And Sophie, the biggest concern is we're not going to see a significant improvement from this cold until the weekend. And even at that, uh, it's just going to be sort of a gradual, be more so Sunday that we'll be back to near seasonal values. Here's a look at how cold it will get tonight. So we're talking about minus 9, minus 10 for Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. Arctic outflow warning, though, continues. So we'll see wind chills down to minus minus. minus 20. In the interior, we could see wind chills down to minus 40. So extremely cold. And that's because of this huge upper level ridge that's sitting just off in the Pacific. It's a blocking ridge. And that's why we're continuing to see this Arctic outflow all across Western Canada. You can see that this uh, system though breaks down or this pattern breaks down come the weekend. And that's when we'll see a bit of a warm up. In the meantime, snowfall. So tonight, cold and clear. Tomorrow, we'll see increasing cloud. This is tomorrow evening snowfall pushing into the interior regions and then spreading down into our region through the evening and overnight hours so the heaviest snow will be while we're sleeping overnight Wednesday into our Thursday morning here's a look at how much we could see so we're talking about five to ten centimeters of snow for all of the south coast this is just one example here uh, but we certainly could see a range in amounts across the region northern BC will also see snow more likely through the um Afternoon hours on Wednesday. And for the southern regions, you'll start to see that as well as the South Coast sort of tomorrow evening into Thursday morning. Here's a look at your forecast in terms of daytime highs. We're still talking about minus 20 as the daytime high and through the central interior, minus teens and through the southern interior. And for the South Coast tomorrow, minus six for Metro Vancouver. That's similar to what we saw today, but a touch cooler. And we are expecting that snowfall again Wednesday night. We'll see that. A fair amount of sunshine on the way into Friday, but staying cold right through until Saturday with another bout of snow, as you can see here. Sunday is when we start to climb back to near seasonal values. Average high for this time of year is 6 degrees, so tomorrow we're going to be 12 degrees below seasonal. I wanted to show you this gorgeous shot from the Boundary Bay area. Um... Pardon me, it's very rare for the Boundary Bay area to actually freeze. So that's a spectacular shot with the sunset there. And you can see Mount Baker off in the distance. All right, so back to you.
3: All right, thanks, Christy. Layla Fernandez has been awarded the Canadian Press Female Athlete of the Year. Fernandez advanced to the U.S. Open final this year. The teenager is now being handed the Bobby Rosenfeld Award following her stellar performance on one of the world's biggest sports stages. Big fan. Love her. K high Square.
0: Hello, how are you? It's a good choice. Mm-hmm. A lot of people you can choose. Uh, Canadian tennis had a great year in 2021.
3: And hopefully it'll just get better.
0: Yep. Okay, so when Elias Petterson was struggling underneath Travis Green earlier this year, he didn't get to play as much. He got less ice time. Bruce Boudreaux was the opposite. He believes if Pedersen is struggling, let him play out of his slump.
4: We need our, our best players to be our best players on a nightly basis, and, and I classify him as one of the best.
0: Patterson was really starting to pick it up just before the COVID break, and Boudreaux thinks he'll get even better when they come back.
3: And Leher, interior, inferno, a look back at the wildfires that ravaged B.C. All right, sports time now. Here's
0: Squire. Thank you very much. Uh, We all know that since Bruce Boudreau arrived as the Canucks head coach, the team has not lost. Individually, for certain players, things have got better as well. Brock Besser, for example, five goals, two assists under Boudreau. JT Miller, nine points in the last six games. Quinn Hughes, six assists under Boudreau. Horvat, three goals, three assists. Elias Pettersson, two goals, two assists, which is still less than what Pedersen should be getting during a win streak. But Boudreaux believes those numbers are going to go up simply by playing Elias Pedersen more, which is the opposite of what Travis Green was doing. He was playing Pedersen less because he was slumping. The one player we're waiting to see catch fire and heat it up again on the score
7: sheet playing for Bruce Boudreaux is Elias Pedersen. This season, the former Rookie of the Year winner has looked anything but normal. And we all know how good a normal Pedersen can be.
4: Myers, Garland, Pedersen scores! The whole goal is, you know, when, for the most part, in the past, when he's playing his best hockey, Vancouver Canucks are playing their best hockey. So, I mean, um, that's why, you know, the last few games he played, here before I got here there was you know a lot in the 13 minute range and I think he's a guy that can play 18 to 19 to 20 minutes a game so we got to find ways to get him on the ice a little bit more.
7: Boudreaux isn't wrong in his assessment of Pedersen's on-ice value to the Canucks nor how little a player who's being paid 7.35 million a season for the next three years became such a non-factor prior to Travis Green's dismissal. Pedersen went 16 games without a point under Green and he played 13 minutes or less in four of the final half dozen games Green coached prior to being fired.
10: not overthinking it and, you know, Petey, we'll see how the games go. But as far as what we're going to do with with his line or anything, well, that's all about what's best for the team.
7: What's the biggest difference playing for Bruce Boudreaux as opposed to Travis Green?
12: It's a lot of comparison ever since Bruce came. Um, But of course they... They see hockey different, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Bruce liked to
4: play a little more aggressive.
7: Since Boudreaux took over, Pedersen's never played less than 15 minutes a game. Petey's averaging 17 minutes and 23 seconds a night. Now, four points in six games doesn't quite put us in Petey, there it is, territory. But he's back on the number one power play unit and is once again being counted on to help lead this team.
4: Something that wasn 't happening with Travis Green in charge you 're not going to win without these guys, so I mean we need our, our best players to be our best players on a nightly basis and and I classify him as one of the best, so i mean we've got to we've got to play him, and if he 's not playing as well as he should he 's got to play his way out of it
0: the NHL has postponed nine games that are to be played in Canada because of attendance restrictions. they would rather play these games when Full houses are allowed. No Canuck games were on that list, at least not yet. The United States had to forfeit its world junior hockey game this afternoon against Switzerland because the team was under quarantine after two players tested positive. So it goes down as a one-nothing win for the Swiss. Canada played Austria. That game has just ended, and when you play Austria and you're Canada, it's kind of just like a hard practice. So let's go and see how things went for Connor Bedard. And then the white- and the BC boys playing for Canada. Kent Johnson's one of them. From Port Moody, that's a nice goal to make it 1-0 in the first period. Not to knock the Austrian kids, they gave it a good try, but they're just not in the League of Canada. Logan Stankovan. Stankovan got in because uh, Justin Sordiff was suspended, so one BC boy replaces another, and the kid from Kamloops scores. Now it's time for Connor Bedard to go to work. He would score four times in this game, which ties a Canadian record at this tournament. That was his first goal. This is his second goal. Here's his third. Nice move, great shot. And this is why, well, there's a lot of reasons why he's a great young player, but that shot is already NHL caliber. He would get one more. Tipping in a pass from Will Cooley, the fourth one. And uh, Canada wins this easily, as they were expected to do over Austria. NFL Hall of Fame coach and broadcaster John Madden died today at the age of 85. He was everything to the NFL and its fans. He was a color commentator for all four networks at different times from 1979 to 2008. To gamers, his name is synonymous with football. The EA Sports NFL game, of course, is named after John Madden. But before all of that, Madden was a great coach of the Oakland Raiders when they were in Oakland. He became the Raiders coach at the age of 32. Never had a losing season in 10 years. Won the Super Bowl with the 76 Raiders, who lost only one game that season. His regular season win percentage, a ridiculous 76%. And you'd probably never find a player who didn't love playing for big John Madden. I think he had one rule. Show <laughs> up. What was his rules? I read it somewhere. Be on time and play hard when I tell you to. And that's the only two rules he had.
3: They seemed like pretty sensible rules. It <laughs> worked <laughs> they for did, him. Actually, it worked. All right. Thank you very much, Squire. Up next, looking back at BC's wildfire fight that dominated the news last summer. Well, last night, we had a look back at that devastating wildfire that destroyed the town of Lytton. But it wasn't the only fire that destroyed homes and forced people from their properties. The interior of the province became a bonfire requiring aid from across North America. Paul Johnson spent much of the summer on the front lines.
4: Among the myriad scenes of struggle and perseverance in B.C.'s scorching summer of 2021, the Cunningham family of Hundred Mile House demonstrated what British Columbians are prepared to do in the face of disaster.
11: They've been started these backburns and uh, we're trying to keep the cattle safe. My grandfather saved this place in the 1920s with a horse and cow hides so I'm sure that we can do it with their support
4: and the machinery we got. As fire threatened their Bishop Meadows Ranch. They took the controversial move of not evacuating, not waiting for the B.C. Wildfire Service, fighting back with their own hands, equipment, and help from neighbours. Well,
11: everybody sticks together. We fought with them and a few years back. They had a fire at their place. Everybody returns the favour. One of the things that, that they have is, is that lay of the land and that knowing what is actually happening out there.
0: They were really preparing for the worst and setting up
4: guards and laying hoses and working through the night. Global news photographer Pat Bell spent six weeks on the road this summer covering B.C.'s fires, among the most of any news cameraman in the country.
0: It was huge. It was like the whole province was on fire. Uh, and I don't know how you delegate resources to keep everyone happy, and this one's you know, growing, and that one's growing, and this one's not growing, and that one's growing, and the, the public's asking for help. It just seemed like every morning somewhere else was on fire.
4: What Bell can tell you from his experience is corroborated by the data. More than 1,600 total fires, as many as 300 burning in a single day, 181 evacuation orders, firefighters flown in from as far away as Australia and Mexico in a state of emergency that lasted practically all summer. Well you
0: start to kind of feel for the communities more when you have you know more breakfasts in the community and see people's faces over and over again so you start to feel for the community more than if you went in for two days and left. Holy!
4: For those fortunate to avoid an evacuation or losing a home or property If they spent any time in the interior, chances are they experienced this. Skies choked with smoke for weeks at a time, adding a gloomy and anxious pall over the summer vacation season. And raising the question, should we expect this every summer now? Well, no forecaster could predict outcomes in any specific year. There's scant evidence worthy of challenging the scientists and climatologists who say hot and dry is the future of summer in B.C. And wildfires are sure to follow. Paul Johnson, Global News.
9: What do you
3: think 2022 is going to bring?
0: Hopefully not what we just saw in 2021.
3: (laughs) Or 2020. new beginnings Mm. let's hope all right uh final word on the weather from christy let's hope
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Sophie, this uh, extreme weather that we're dealing with, not expected to change until the new year. So we'll likely see this extreme cold through until Saturday. So big improvement in terms of the short term. Cold tonight, wind chills down to minus 20. And then we're expecting snow tomorrow night. We could see 5 to 10 centimeters right across the south coast into our Thursday morning. Minus 20. What happened? Bundle up, Squire.
3: With the wind chill. (laughs) Be safe, everyone. Good night.